Hello, hello. So I'm coming back from a week-long hiatus. No, I was not on vacation, but sometimes our lives just get in the way, especially when you have guests. And with that comes many scheduling issues. But the Living for Food pod is back this week, and I had the most wonderful conversation. You may have seen her on TikTok or Gordon Ramsay's new YouTube channel show, Star Dish, with her girlfriend, Alex. Zoe and I got deep into what it's like to be an openly gay woman entrepreneur as she first became popular for her fruit peeling videos, which at some point I need to get to the psychology of in this podcast because they are so calming and I would love to know why. And now she has her own plant-based fish brand named Fish Foods. So please clap listen, or do whatever you have to do to join me in welcoming Zoya. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come on. I know you're very busy, so I appreciate it. Of course. Um, And welcome to the Living for Food Pod. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So a little backstory, Zoya and I met at dinner a few months back when I kind of first moved to LA and I actually interviewed her partner, Alex, who used to make videos for like BuzzFeed Tasty and stuff. So I recognized you both pretty quickly (laughs) at the dinner. Very small. Yeah, very, very always. But were you creating content before you met Alex or were you creating food videos like or after? No, I wasn't really, yeah, I wasn't doing too much content before Alex. Um, I was cooking for years before Alex, but um, never really making content. So I, you know, at her suggestion and insistence started posting a bit and then slowly okay. some stuff took off. So I was like, okay. Maybe I'm not opposed. Um, I didn't really intend to like get super hardcore into content creation. Um, it's still like, you know, a part-time thing for me, but I think, you know, I was able to kind of customize it my way and kind of lead with a lot of stories. And then I started getting this outpour of a lot of queer Middle Eastern people. A lot of them are younger than me who have a lot of representation. So a ton of those, you know, letters and, and dms started pouring in then i was like okay maybe it's it's worth spending some time on oh are there any messages that stood out to you or anyone that's reached out to you that continually like reaches out to you that you remember um i mean there's been a lot like dozens of people who have written me long messages saying that they found the courage to come out to their family because of my videos um because of seeing someone that kind of looked like them living a very happy life with their partner and their family. Um, you know, it took that little, that just a little bit of courage for them to like come out to their family. And that's, that's pretty crazy. Cause I, I never ask anyone to come out to their family. You know, I never like, that's not, that's not like my thing. Obviously I think if you can and you want to, you should, but that's not something that I remember preaching. So, um, you know, that's pretty powerful. Cause that, that is arguably one of the hardest things to do in the world it's one of the hardest things i've ever had to do and i've had to do some pretty bizarre things so so yeah those are pretty impactful and some people i mean on the other end which is kind of sad a lot of people also reach out saying hey i can't come out to my family and i don't know if i ever will but i just want you to know that i'm deeply closeted like nobody knows but i like watching your content because it 
just makes me happy to like live through someone. So that's sweet, but also very heartbreaking. <laughs> you know, it's tough. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can imagine because you want to help them, but it's also their life. So what are you supposed right. to really right. you don't advise them the wrong way either? Because you don't yeah. totally know their situation, you know? No, I'm always really, you know, people who do ask, it's really important to always mention that no one should do anything unless they're feeling like they're in a really safe space to do so. Because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and you just don't know people's lives. Like you just said, I don't know your life. You know, like, so it's not, yeah. I can't tell you what to do. I never would. So, yeah, it's been interesting. It's, t- it's taken a really interesting turn. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, knowing that you're just like a comfort to people is probably just enough for your career anyways. Like if I was that kind of idol to someone, I would that would just be like enough for me, honestly. It, it is. It's it, it really is. I didn't intend, again, I didn't intend on getting into content creation like this, but it's been so important and it, it makes me feel really nice to people care and people really look forward to things. And I think that in the beginning, when I kind of, kind of first went viral, I was like, this is just like the silliest thing of this, like cutting fruit, but you know, it wasn't the cutting fruit. It was the stories about my life and, and coming out and, and um, my, my immigrant family and a lot of things that a lot of people can relate to. Like you don't have to be a gay Middle Eastern person to relate to me. There's a lot of other right. things that kind of make sense and just like general millennial anxiety, I guess. So, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot. And obviously another big part of it that is my driving force is that I have a food product. So being in the mm-hmm. food influencer space is obviously hugely advantageous. Um, so that also fuels my fire a bit <laughs> and, you know, building a platform of people who, really care about what I'm doing is, is, is really important because we're getting ready to launch a retail product pretty soon. And now, you know, there's this built in great fan base of really cool people who want to buy the product. And now I can actually reach out to. That's amazing. Yeah. I feel the millennial anxiety to my core. So (laughs) it's all the time. It's, it's, it's always going on, but I will say like fruit peeling videos and fruit cutting videos just to have some sort of hold over me where they're so common yeah it I've, I've gotten so much of that it's so funny I I get it because I started doing it because it's been a part of my life like my parents my grandparents whoever I was hanging out with at the time in Persian culture and a lot of cultures parents and grandparents they kill you fruit like it's a very normal thing you eat a lot of mm-hmm. fruit and it's just like something that you do and you don't realize as a kid how important, how meaningful it is to have someone do something for you, like kill something for you or cook something for you. Like those are such important things. They're just such a baseline way of showing someone that you care. You know, fruits are full of antioxidants and vitamins. So, you know, insisting that here, have this orange, you know, like let me peel it for you, like eat this, it's good for you. That's just like a really, really raw form of love. So I think that I mean, I guess I don't think I'm drawing from a lot of the comments that I've received. People say it reminds them of like one of their parents or grandparents who used to peel the fruit that way. Um, and I mean, who doesn't like fruit? I don't trust people who don't like fruit. <laughs> so Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, me either. But that's so interesting because I never really thought of the intersectionality between cultures and like my parents cutting me fruit. Yes. Like it is such like a form of I don't I don't know form of love is the exact right yeah. word but like I, it kind of yeah, is yeah. 
you know? Yeah, it is. That's so interesting. Someone doing something for you is a form of love, right? Like that's attention, that's love. So if it's something as small as peeling an apple, then so be it. It's cool. Yeah, totally agree. So I was reading your interview with Insider, um, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier that you're first generation Persian or Iranian American. That's correct, right? I want to make sure. Yeah, you can use them interchangeably. No matter which version you use, someone on the internet will tell you that you're using the wrong version. Um, (laughs) But yeah, Persian is usually just what I use because sometimes I say Iranian, which is people think of it as Iranian, but like that's not the correct way of saying it's Iranian. So if I either I have to incorrectly pronounce, you know, my own nationality or if I say it sometimes they like it doesn't click but then as soon as I say Persian everyone knows what that is so I just like for ease of my own life mm-hmm. say Persian all the time there's no like big hidden meaning behind it really okay okay I thought you could use those but I wanted yeah. to make sure and you Iranian yeah. is different uh, yeah like technically yeah the country is Iran so it would be Iranian but as like a more of like ethnicity you can say Persian that applies to like a broader group of people Got it. Okay. So growing up, what were the staple dishes in your family? I mean, Persian food is, I might be biased, but I think some of the best food in the world. Um, My very non-Persian girlfriend agrees with me. So um, it's a lot of kebabs, (laughs) a lot of rice, a lot of stews, and really herb forward, really um, fruit and veggie forward, um, a lot of saffron, a lot of premium cuts of meat. So like lamb and filet mignon, filet mignon. I said mignon because we always joke and we have like a dog voice from my dog in which we always say that he wants filet mignon. So now I become my thing, so I need to not do that. Um, you know, but like forms of filet and like really premium cuts, very meat heavy culture. Um, so it's a little bit funny because I don't really eat too much meat. It's you know, very, very little. Um, so there's a lot of things that I kind of miss out on or I do sub versions with like chicken, but that's that's become like probably the biggest staple. Okay, I know. When I was um, go- younger, I would always add a G to onion. <laughs> onion? And I would say like, I would go like onion. onion and I've caught myself doing that like, in a, when I'm with a chef or something. I'm like, oh, my God, that's so embarrassing. It's so funny. No, I, mean, <laughs> I talk in my dog's voice, I guess, more than my own at this point. I don't even say words normally. <laughs> hey, that's not a bad yeah. thing to do. I mean, dogs deserve yeah. Yeah. everything. I agree. Have, so. <laughs> Would you say that? Persian food, and I don't want to compare really cultures, but I'm just trying to get a feel for how it is. Would you say it's similar to Peruvian food? No, not really, actually. I went to Peru once and had a lot of Peruvian food. No, I feel like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but when I was in Peru, I had a lot of seafood, a lot of ceviche, a lot of, um, there's no raw fish of any sort or raw anything in Persian culture. In fact, it's the land of more like well-done meat like most persians don't eat steak the way that americans eat steak like that would be considered raw which is it's great like there's not usually any pink in any of the meats everything's like really well done yeah it's not that close to peruvian it's it's just like general it's really close to just like mediterranean so like greek food arabic food we don't have shawarma technically in in persian food but like that sort of grilling meats um 
lot of the similar sides, um, like the yogurt dips and like uh, eggplant dips, like all that like dip culture. It's it's very similar to the rest of the East. I saw you had a viral eggplant dip. I was looking at yeah. that one. It looks so good. That, people love that one. It's honestly really good. Just try it. Okay. I'm going to try it. My, it's a good one. Yeah. I'm Italian, so my dad makes like eggplant parm kind of thing. Like that's our dish. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely open to an eggplant dip. I need to Yeah. This is very different. This is very like Mediterranean tasting, like more like Middle Eastern tasting rather than like an eggplant parm. Um, which I love and like that part, but yeah, it's like totally different. You can eat it with chips or like just put it in like pita bread or like add it to anything. It's, it's really good. Okay. I was actually recently, this will make sense when I explain the rest of the story. I was recently at the nail salon and I was talking to one of the workers there and he's actually Mongolian. So he said there's like one, I have to get the name of it but he said there's one mongolian restaurant in la that i should try that's like actually authentic mongolian food but he was explaining the kind of meat situation as well where it's all very well done um mm-hmm. so i'm curious to kind of immerse myself in that culture a little bit because it's yeah a little different yeah i don't know a whole lot about mongolian food actually i'd love to explore that i mean i've had that i'm sure like a few different times but like mm-hmm. i don't know where to go for the best Mongolian food. Okay. It's tough. Like you eat everything, right? Yeah. Like all sorts of meats. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough when you don't eat certain things. Like, like for example, like it would be very lost on me to go to like a Brazilian steakhouse. So like, you know, because I don't eat red meat and like mm-hmm. a lot of like seafood, I like miss out on a lot of stuff, but mm-hmm. it, it's more just a bummer because like, it's like the staples in that cuisine. And sometimes the, the, vegetarian version is just not the exact same and that's coming from someone that you know works in like the plant-based field but like sometimes there's just such traditional things that it's tough to it's tough to replicate so right just gotta take a l on some of that yeah all right do you classify yourself as completely vegan or no 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 no, i eat chicken um but chicken and turkey are probably the only real meat that i eat um i don't eat red meat i haven't had it for like 14, 15 years. Um, I don't really eat much seafood. Um, I don't eat raw seafood. Um, hence why I started a raw fish, plant-based raw fish company to kind of mm-hmm. solve my own pain port point because I was, um, I was trying to have there be an option for people who are like me when it comes to like really fancy sushi restaurants or just like general Asian fare, um, that uses raw fish because I felt like avocado rolls weren't really cutting it. So I wanted there to yeah. be something that was yeah. yeah avocado rolls are very good but when you consistently eat them they're extremely plain <laughs> yeah yeah there there's nothing wrong with them but i do think if you're sitting at a nice celebratory dinner and everyone's having these amazing plates of nigiri and sashimi and like all these cool rolls mm-hmm. you want more you want to feel like you know you're involved and also if you're paying a lot of money it sucks to only be eating like veggie rolls um even right. though veggie rolls are incredible and in my opinion better than fish rolls because i'm biased it, it it's not the same you know so you kind of feel like you're getting a little ripped off yeah agreed i actually just visited uchi la they had a pop-up for four days mm-hmm. on friday and it was i don't normally eat raw fish like that just has never really been my yeah. thing but obviously you know going there i knew i was gonna have to a little bit yeah. i'm not a total fan of like the gummy raw fish when it when you think about it too much it freaks me out 
yeah. a little bit. They had some caviar. That's not totally my thing either. <laughs> um, freaks me out for sure. But for listeners as well, like Zoya actually created a, a company called Fish Foods. So it's basically a plant-based raw fish product that's healthier, more sustainable, and feel free to jump in if I'm explaining it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I guess healthy is subjective depending on what you're looking for, but it's for sure free of mercury or any toxic chemicals or any other pollutants. It's a completely plant-based raw fish. So it's made from root vegetables, sea algae, and a bit of fermentation magic. And then we all pull all of the actual flavor and colors from real vegetables and spices. We have a yellowtail, we have tuna, and we have a smoked salmon. So the idea is to be able to hit a few different categories, not just the obvious of sushi. We have a, you know, we have yellowtail for ceviche. We have a spicy ground tuna, which can kind of go across the board. So we're trying to do some like Latin fare, smoked salmon. We're trying to get some bagel shops. Um, to replace locks and then of course sushi is a big one but you know we're looking at like some poke shops as well so it's kind of a cool category that we're that we're in we're, we're trying to be kind of everywhere yeah I was going to ask you is this more you're trying to get restaurants to incorporate it in there as and give an offering or is this more of you want it to be in store shelves or both both our, our launch was with um, food service providers, so restaurants and you know just ready-made services. Our very first launch partner was this time last year. We launched in Erewhon, and it was in their ready um, sushi section, and it was a great partnership. I do want you know a, a certain type of offering, so it's nice to be able to have different things, different places. So like that was sushi, and that was great. But I also really want to do like bagels and you know vegan locks. The, the idea of starting with restaurants was just to make sure that people were able to eat it the right way and like you know, have it prepared the way it should be rather than like, here, Olivia, here's just like this block of plant-based fish, figure out what to do with it. Right. Um, it's, it's tough because it's not even like a cooked fish or like a breaded fish. It's a raw fish, right? So you don't mm -hmm. cook it. It's meant to be in as like a raw fish form. Okay. So it's, it has to be marinated the right way. Like there's a lot of things that kind of go into it. So... With that in mind, we've been having, I mean, I can't even tell you, probably like six, 7,000 emails on like our email list at this point of people who want it all over the country That's and amazing. frankly other countries as well. Yeah, it's super exciting, but they're just like, how can we get it? How can we get it? And I'm like, well, we're in a handful of restaurants in LA, <laughs> but <laughs> we are solving a part of that issue um, soon. Um, I'm not sure when this would just like, just a question. I'm not mm -hmm. sure exactly when this will go out, but um, depending on when it is, and like in, in a few weeks from now, um, or maybe when this is live, <laughs> it, it could already be live. We're mm -hmm. launching with um, an online grocer called Feed, Feed App. Okay. And um, they are so cool. They carry a ton of independent food brands, super trendy brands. And it's like an online grocer and they service the entire West Coast. So the six most Western states, top to bottom, yeah. they, okay. they service the major cities in all those states. Um, so in just like a few weeks or very soon or currently, depending on when you're hearing this, um, mm -hmm. you can jump on the feed app and we're, we're going to have our first retail product, which is a pre-made ground spicy tuna. So it's oh. already pre-mixed with our vegan spicy mayo. 
Um, it'll come in the squeeze too. So you can literally just clip it, squeeze it out onto anything. Like any home cook can figure out what to do with it. If you happen to be making your own sushi, you just squeeze it onto your roll. It could be as simple as putting it on crispy rice or even like, you know, a tostada or a tortilla chip or just a plate of rice. Um, and it's it's ready, you know, so you don't have to do too much. You don't have to chop it up yourself or mix it yourself. Um, you can always add more stuff to it, but it's just kind of ready to go. And it's always been our hero product with all of our restaurants and partners and caterings. So that was our first, like, let's send this to market product. So we're super excited about that. That is so exciting. Congratulations on all of that. You're, you're doing yeah. extremely well, and that's that's really yeah. exciting. The squeeze tube is interesting to me. You just, like, litter, like, a toothpaste kind of thing? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not – it doesn't look like that. It's just more just like a, a, a standard, like, you know, like plastic um, okay. freezer-safe bag. But you just okay. kind of clip the bottom. I was trying to figure out something that was really – environmentally friendly i didn't want to have like extra tubes on the bottom because one one theory was kind of like something like a bigger toothpaste or almost like um like the sour cream where you kind of squeeze it out but they have yeah. huge like bulkhead plastic pieces that don't even get recycled so it's like it kind of sucks to like be trying to push the environmental factor and then contribute to the waste so this is a really minimal packaging and super easy to use. So you can basically just like squeeze that almost like a, like a pastry bag, you know, and you just like push it out. So that's the, that's the first version of it. And um, we think it's really easy to use. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate the environmental factor of yeah. it, especially as someone who gets 5 million PR packages that yeah. <laughs> often go to waste. Unfortunately, if you're a PR rep hearing this, sometimes it goes to waste, but there's also just a lot of packaging that goes with like one product. The packaging is what's crazy. I mean, we get a ton of stuff too. And like a box will show up that's way bigger than the screen will allow me like three feet by like three feet. And then you open it and it's like a smaller box aside. Then you open mm -hmm. that and it's like all these like elements of a box just to have like a bottle of something in the middle, like a hot sauce. That's exactly it. Yep. And I'm just like, damn, like it, if you know anything about just like the carbon emissions and like, how much space that takes and like the weight of it and how expensive that is. Like packaging is so expensive. And then you're just like, man, what was the point of all that? You know, like it's, I think that I'm hoping that pretty soon we'll kind of shy away from that, like grandiose sort of like reveal of like this bottle of hot sauce, like homemade bottle of hot sauce, you know, like it doesn't need to be yeah. something that's so, so, so wasteful. But I'm almost, you know, pushing on the opposite because I'm kind of like, I mean, I keep using bottle of hot sauce. I love hot sauce. But, like, <laughs> I, I'm not, it's not this, like, big show and big, like, you know, like, uh, what's it called, horse and pony show or whatever, where it's, like, look at all this, like, elaborate stuff. I'm just, like, no, my product's really good. It's amazing as is. So, like, I can put it in a really minimal package, and you can just cut the tip, and you can use it, and then that's it. <laughs> it doesn't need to have, like, all this, like, flair to it. No, yeah. It makes me so mad when it's, like, one alcohol bottle. But yeah. I actually got a hot sauce package, I should have given it to you at the time. Cause literally it was like 10 different hot sauces in one thing. And I gave it to my friend's dad. Cause he's like a hot sauce fiend. And I'm like, I just yeah. never eat it. <laughs> yeah. We get too much stuff. Yeah. It's getting, getting yeah. sent stuff is, is wild. And like our trash cans are always constantly full of just like boxes, always boxes. No, literally I'm like, I get rid of a box and then a new one oh, comes yes. in and I, I just can't. And I'm like, 
it's never going to get used. The problem too, is that when they want to send you something, then they'll send you it in excess. Mm -hmm. Instead of sending me like, for example, I got sent oat milk a few weeks back. They sent me six cartons. Like, how are you going to use six cartons? I'm like, I'm not feeding a family of 10. Like, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) But anyway, so we'll go back to your uh, plant-based company here. So was there a lot of trial and error with this? Because I know you did it with celebrity personal chef Paul Barbosa Jr., I was looking at, but did, what challenges did you come across when you were creating this? Um, it, it, there was a lot of trial there. There was almost two entire years of R and D before we came out with what we currently are using everywhere. Mm-hmm. The trial and error was namely because we were trying to use clean ingredients as much as possible. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't want to use soy. We didn't want to use filler ingredients. Um, we didn't want to use all the like quick cheat codes that a lot of plant-based foods you use because I think first of all I just I think that's gross second of all a lot of plant-based foods are under fire right now because you look at the the ingredients list and it's like an encyclopedia right so yeah it's it's hard because I, I want to shy away from that at the same time it's hard to get consistent product when you're not using food coloring like I'm not using food yeah. coloring so like I'm using actual organic beetroot for like my tuna color so like that takes so long to try to get like the right shade <laughs> instead of just going and like using a chemical um mm-hmm. with flavor you know when it was artificial flavor so it's so hard to like work with like the fermentation process to get like just the right amount of what we consider to be the perfect like ooh, it's kind of like reminiscent of like seafood but without being like here's this weird artificial fishy taste like that's the opposite of what I would ever want. You know, when I did used to eat raw fish, if it was fishy, I would want to, I would get sick. You know what I mean? Like, and Me too. Yeah. But a couple of plant-based seafood brands, I feel like really tried to make it fake fishy. And I, cause I've tried a lot of them at this point and I found that just so confusing because I don't know why you want your fake plant-based, you know, your, like your fake version of fish to smell like rotten fish. Um, so yeah. we, you know, we, we use sea algae. So like there's some remnants of like a seafood product, but just really clean, you know, like on the flip side, a really nice, fresh, clean piece of real fish doesn't have that fishy taste. So we were replicating that. It was never like the opposite. Something that's really important is also that we're not scientists. This wasn't made in the lab. This was made in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So both of us have food backgrounds his is more in the more professional setting, but I've also been involved in food for, for a few years now. And we were always creating it as people who are in the kitchen. So we know what a food product should taste like. We know what a food product should feel like, should handle like, should cut like, you know, I developed it with the chef. So it was important that he gave me the okay that said, this cuts just like I was slicing, you know, real quality yellowtail. And that's so important so that I can take it to, you know, a random restaurant and say, here you go. I don't have to spend three hours explaining like the correct way to do this because I should be able to say this is a, you know, replacement for real fish. Use it as you would real fish. Right. That was important to us. So it took a really long time. I'm sure that if we had used some of the more, you know, 
simpler methods of doing it. We could have probably come to market a full year sooner, but it's so important to me that it's a clean product, it's a good product. And I think that that's starting to show um, as we're continuing to grow in popularity and people are trying it and they're saying, holy shit, this is really good. This is really different. Like I, I tried a vegan fish one time, there's nothing like this. And that's that's really important. Yeah, I will say, I don't think there's much else like it on the market. So I definitely think you you found a niche, but you want it to replace fish, but don't need it to smell like a fish market, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know why you would do that. But yeah, it's a pretty, it's pretty limited in the space. There's a couple other brands. And I think that all the other brands too, there's something for everyone, right? So someone's going to try my brand and say, ah, oh, not into it. Then they'll try like the other one or two that exist and love those. And yeah. that's amazing. And vice versa. Someone will like mine and not the other ones. And there's plenty of room for everyone too. So truthfully, I hope that the other brands all have great products too, so that everyone kind of, you know, comes up. I don't want anyone to have a bad brand to kind of turn off any potential consumers and kind of hurt the overall mission. So I think that everyone can kind of win in this game. Right. And I thought it was interesting too, that you were a director of business development for a pretty long time, like eight years or so. Did that experience aid your process in creating your own product? Yeah, because I was part of a founding team um, at a company called Listen, and it was a headphone company. And um, it was a little different than the regular headphone company because we had a big social component. We donate our proceeds to buy hearing aids for kids who need them around the world. So I spent most of my 20s actually traveling to like every remote part of the world you can think of and physically fit a lot of kids with hearing aids all while actually um, growing this company. And we grew it to a pretty big size. We were like the onboard headphone for all Delta Airlines. We did huge partnerships with like everyone you can think of. It was a really cool looking headphone. So even though this was during the time of like Beats by Dre kind of being the the main thing Mm -hmm. in the market, we had a different look. It was like wooden headphones and we were able to get into like Nordstrom's and like at the time Barney's and like um, we were the first headphone in like Whole Foods market when they were actually like selling a lot of like merch as well. So it was really interesting. We got into a lot of different doors, but the reason why that's important is because my background has just been in things that make the world just like slightly, slightly, slightly better. Like, and that doesn't always mm-hmm. mean food, you know, having someone be basically disregarded by their entire community because they are hearing impaired, not even deaf, but they're hearing impaired. You know, I saw it so many times in different countries, then you like provide them with something if they want to have, you know, a hearing aid, you provide them with a hearing aid that they wouldn't be able to otherwise afford. And suddenly this little eight-year-old can hear for the first time. And he's like right into his community again, you know, he gets to actually be involved. And it might seem like a weird correlation, but it's kind of not because it's the same sort of thing of like not being included in something. So Mm -hmm. it's not a matter of like, Oh, vegans versus non-vegans. I have probably about a thousand messages from people around the world who can't eat raw fish because of autoimmune disorders or an allergy that they developed or a lot of pregnant consumers. Mm -hmm. It's it's there's people. Oh, pregnancy consumers. There's a lot of people. That's very, that's a really big market. Yeah. And guess who has the strongest cravings in the world? <laughs> this is pregnant. Yeah. Um, Wait, genius. That just clicked in my brain. That's crazy. Yeah. There's so many viral videos of like 
these women who have just given birth and while like they're in the hospital bed and like they have like, a huge sushi platter like I've waited nine months for this yeah and, um, <laughs> yeah it's fun because like we'll get tagged in those sometimes from people being like you can have something pretty similar like try fish shoots and okay. I get that because the people who are reaching out they they are people who have been enjoying poke ceviche sushi for their whole lives and suddenly because of an allergy or because of a surgery that they have that prohibits them from ever having raw fish again because raw fish actually can be very dangerous and can actually hurt them and mm -hmm. potentially kill them if they if they're missing certain um fil if they don't have something to filter it for example the excitement that i get from them is unmatched you know they're just like thank you so much we cannot wait till we can try it you don't understand how much i've missed it i know it's not exactly the same but it's so nice to have something kind of similar and that means a lot you know, you get people kind of back in this, the feeling of like something is there for you. We do a lot of events where like big, like food festival type things. And sometimes there's always like these crazy lines for our stuff. And like, mm -hmm. there's been so many times, like someone gets to the front and then they're like, oh, oh my God, wait, can I just, can I just get mine with like just the crispy rice and like not the fish on the top? And I'm like, why? Like, I, I don't eat fish. And I was like, it's vegan fish. And like their face and they're like, oh my God, like I get to, I get to enjoy it. <laughs> it's a small thing, you know? So it, those things mean a lot. I think that something that is a smaller percentage of the population, just because something's a smaller percentage of the population doesn't mean they should be discarded and just be like, oh, whatever, eat meat or shut up. Like that, like weird toxic thing that you see online sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to offer an option. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That hearing aid story is so incredible, though. It's crazy. I had no idea. Yeah, it's pretty that crazy. That is so crazy. That like is so that would make me cry. I don't know if I could actually do that. It, it's hard. I mean, it was a pretty wild thing to do for so many years, and um, it, it was incredible because most of the people we were able to provide them hearing aids. These are really, really you know underprivileged people who hardly had the money yeah. to afford you know basic food and water. So if the kid and the family or the much older adult like grandma kind of lost her hearing at the age of like 70 or 80 well grandma's in the corner now because what the hell are we going to do we can't get her hearing aid you know like they're living in a village in like right. rwanda for example where we did like a big hearing mission right. so then you know we say bring them in and we spread the news and like we were we worked with a really big nonprofit that did this and um, okay and they had these like big things set up and people would travel sometimes for like a full day to get to the city that we were doing this and then it's all free of you know free of charge and like they would get fit and suddenly like a grandma would hear for the first time in like 20 years like she had never heard her grandkids speak you know it's so incredible so that just you know helps you understand that the world is a lot bigger than we think it's smaller but also bigger like there's more to it than we think and it's so easy to just like think about yourself and think about just like how things are with your perspective but there's a lot of people out there who need a lot of different things. And so it's not always as black and white as just like, this is how it is. It's like, there could be options. There could be things for people to do so they can feel included. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you're doing that, right? Whether it's with your business or your previous experience or now you even be being a, a woman entrepreneur who's actually openly queer and whatever it is. So is there something actually that you'd like other female entrepreneurs to know as they attempt to follow a similar path but maybe are afraid to take that leap just i mean I, you just have to do it like it's it's so hard to get in your head and especially as women 
we already have this this disadvantage of kind of growing up with limited role models. You know, there's so many. I'm not going to say there weren't role models. There was definitely a good amount, but not if you compare to the amount of male role models. It's not even comparable. So we already have limited options as we grow up as little girls. As we grow up as little girls, also most of us are told to like you know not many of us are encouraged to like take over the world. You know, so like we already have this kind of disadvantage. So you have to always have to already break out of this like mold that you were kind of put into, and then you're a minority. So like. When it comes to fundraising, it's it's tough because about two percent of total VC funding at this this exact day, as you and I are speaking right now, goes towards female mm-hmm. founders. And then of that two percent, only one percent of it goes to women of color. And then I think if you break it down from there, there's no exact stat, but I know this is true. If if you break it down, it's probably like less than half a percent that goes to like queer. Um, women of color. So my my odds are like great. I'm I'm like a star (laughs) star pupil. Um, But but you know you can't if you want to like think of it that way and say wow that's a really really low chance I have at like getting like VC funding then you're gonna fail because you can't focus on that. You just need to focus on like hey I believe this product is like the best product that I'm going to make, bring this to the masses. And as you're launching this product, everyone's going to say, that's the stupidest product we've ever seen and nobody wants that product, but somebody does, you know, a lot of people probably do. Mm-hmm. And social media is really cool with like encouraging you to like do things and launch things. But at the same time, it's such a silly place too, where there's like these keyboard warriors who mm-hmm. feel really, really bold and write stupid things and really rude things to people who are like trying to do something. And a lot of that is just jealousy, you know, like there's people who would never have the guts to be vulnerable to say, hey, I'm starting this brand and I have zero dollars in it. I'm making zero dollars. I'm starting at the absolute bottom. Nobody wants my product, you know, like because it's one of those things where like as cool as my product is, there was a lull for a few months. And then suddenly when I launched an Erewhon, suddenly everyone thought it was really cool. You know, it's like it's just that that sort of mm-hmm. mentality where it's like people perceive things differently and and base their judgment on something on on something that doesn't make sense sometimes but i think female founders just need to find good role models and find good mentors and just really look up to someone and and kind of just do it like what's the worst that'll happen i was i always say this to myself what's the worst that'll happen It, it fails yeah who cares yeah that's what i said to myself about this podcast i was like the worst is going to happen is I get to talk to really insanely kick-ass, cool yeah. people, and then I stop. <laughs> That's yeah, really it. Really. I'm like, you know, like it's no one's going to like, you're not going to be yeah. thrown in prison if you fail. Like you just, whatever, you fail, you do something else. Yeah. So no one's going to beat you. Like it's just like, um, but, but, you know, it's easy to say that, but what you're not, you know, what we're not mentioning and the bigger fear is that fear of, embarrassment, rejection, looking like a failure. But it's like, who are we even talking about? You know, like I didn't post on social media, food content on social media for such a long time because I was just like, oh, like, what am I going to do? Like, act like I'm like a food influencer or something. Like, I was like, what am I talking about? You know, yep. like, I'm not going to do that. I was making incredible meals. You know, I was cooking for like huge groups of people. I was um, arguably, you know, making a lot better food dishes than like I was having out most of the time, but I was just like, Oh no, like, like who do I think I am? 
And that's a bummer because I could have had like a two or three year head start on where I am right now, which I'm still with where I am right now. But I think part of that is just a lesson is just to like, just do it. If you're into something, then do it. Because as soon as I started really sharing and started really openly talking about my actual life and like the things I was into, I did grow a pretty substantial following pretty quickly. So Mm -hmm. to that's just like, that's such proof that if you do something and it resonates, you will grow. And suddenly, you know, in less than a year, I went from like, Ooh, like I don't want to pretend to be an influencer to like a combined, like over half a million followers. Like that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just because people liked my stories. Yeah, it is. No, I was having that same internal struggle and I was like, I need to start posting on TikTok, mm-hmm. whatever. And then I was like, but I don't want X, Y, Z to see. And I was like, why do I even care, first of all? And second of all, what am I afraid of people from my hometown? And then I'm like, I'm in LA now. I'm doing pretty well. I'm like, I'm doing okay. I'm like, why do I care about other people? And honestly, do they even care? Probably not. They're probably thinking about themselves and whatever else the situation is. So I think you're exactly right. And I think also, I mean, you are breaking that percentage barrier, but like the more people that are becoming female entrepreneurs, the more that percentage hopefully increases. And if they're minority, it'll increase even more. So, I mean, I've talked to a lot of really amazing founders who honestly like amaze me truly. And like, you're one of them because I'm talking to you and you're like, you have so much knowledge about everything, but yeah, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I just want to say female founders are kicking ass and I'm very happy that I get to have the privilege to speak to, to them. I agree. And there's a lot of, lot of women doing really, really cool things and it's super impressive. And every time I see it, I'm just like the biggest, you know, cheerleader, whether I'm like super vocal or not, I always push myself to be a bit more vocal. Like I truly like whenever I see something in my head, I'm like, yeah, you fucking go. Mm -hmm. Like I'm stoked. But it's also important though. I think this kind of is a good piece that would be good to share. It's important when you do see like someone that posts something to take the one second and like leave the comment, you know, and say like, this is awesome. Like, don't just think it in your head because that one comment helps them. It helps boost their stuff. It helps them see it and say, Oh, this other cool female founder said something positive right. about, and it could be a one word. It could just be like amazing mm-hmm. exclamation mark. That takes like four and a half seconds, like be realistic, you know? So it's important that we do really hype each other up because something I've noticed is, is guys are so good at hyping each other up. They are. Like men are really great at collaborating. They're really good at being like, this is my bro. And like, we do stuff together. We collaborate on things. They sit and they talk about a lot of their projects and women don't do that as much. They do, but not like, it's pretty, it's harder for me to find those circles and guys just like of every level every industry like they do that and i see it all the time so you know it's important that we go out of our ways to kind of try to help each other and like boost each other because if we don't i don't know who's going to yeah and honestly the only place where i see people or actually specifically women hyping each other up the most is in a bar bathroom and that's it (laughs) it should go beyond the bar bathroom (laughs) yeah yeah, just pretend the world and social media is a bar bathroom. <laughs> like, be super nice, say the nice compliment, you know, make people feel good, 
And it's super, super powerful because people remember that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in person and in your real life too, because something I've been trying to do is when I think of something nice, something nice about someone else or whether it's like their outfit or I think their hair looks good or something just, oh, I think they're really nice or whatever. I normally try to tell them immediately when I'm thinking it. And honestly, you're always going to get a good response. It's going to make someone's day. So translate it online too. translate in real life. And hopefully we'll have some more female entrepreneurs. Yeah, I think so. The compliment goes a long way. It does. It's kind of like a superpower. I do that too. Like at the most random place, like the person that's checking you out at the grocery store, like at the register, um, or like a bank teller, like just like, and be sincere. Like you don't have to like make up something random, right, right. but even if like nothing like really strikes you, something as simple as like, you have, I like your hairstyle yeah. or like, I like, you know, that jacket, like whatever it is, especially and a lot of times older people too. Like if you can tell it's like an older adult and like the chances are sometimes they don't speak to anyone for a few days. You know what I mean? Like a lot of yeah, older people are really lonely. And if you can just like say something really, really quick, it makes them so happy, you know, like it, it changes. So you can think of it more as like a superpower thing because small compliments make someone smile. And then just, it's such a quick interaction. It's like, you have a really great hairstyle. Yeah. That's it. You walk away. They say, thank you. But like, they're still smiling when they walk away. And like, that's, that's been super powerful. So it's always like an easy little hack I like that. to make your own day. No, I like the superpower angle a lot. I'm one of those people that if I see an older person at a restaurant, I will immediately cry. Even if they're perfectly content, they could be having the best day alone of their life. And I will still just be (laughs) like crying. But honestly, though, Trader Joe's employees are very good at hyping Mm -hmm. you up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think that's accidental. Mm -hmm. It's It's not just a coincidental group of people who are complimentary. I think that I'm presuming there's something in the guidebook about like encouraging that behavior. Um, because it's important and it makes you kind of feel good. Like you, you almost can guarantee that if you go to a Trader Joe's, someone will probably say something to you at the very least. The person at the register is going to be really chatty and mm-hmm. nice. And like, sometimes that's a huge, huge reason to even go somewhere. Like, you know, you're going to just like be treated well. Right. And that sounds really basic. And <laughs> like, I don't know why that's like, no, I mean, it's concept. not a standard for a lot of, people to treat other people well you know you would think it's common sense but it's not always so you know and as women you're always dealing with that (laughs) so yeah yeah for sure all right so let's switch gears to get into your new show on bite originals you're able to talk about it right cool yes okay just making sure so for those at home, it's a food-based digital channel in which Gordon Ramsay basically hand-selected social media personalities, so yourself and Alex, to host a new show called Star Dish. How did that process work? How did you feel when you found out you and Alex were hosting this and then Ramsay himself like chose you? That's a big deal. Yeah, it was really exciting. Um, we felt very, very lucky. We felt very special. Um, there was a big pool of people to choose from and, um, it was cool to have him personally choose. And, you know, we, we've had like a couple of like zoom combos mm-hmm. with him and having him say your name is a very bizarre, <laughs> bizarre situation. <laughs> you know, feeling. We, you know, we, we had been wanting a show actually for a while and Alex and I, you know, had been doing so many little 
small um, collaborative videos for like the past year before yeah. this. So it kind of made a lot of sense for us to do something together, host something together. The idea of like Stardish is kind of mixing astrology into cooking and kind of using it as a, a guide in the kitchen and being able to kind of relate certain dishes to certain personality types and use that as a tool. Um, it was a concept that, you know, their team kind of came up with, we worked with, with them mm -hmm. and it's, it's fun to kind of see it come to life. The, the episode that's coming up this Thursday is actually that sneak peek. It's, it's, it's pretty exciting. It's fun. We actually are diving into like a lot more on it. So, um, it's been, it's been good. It's been like a nice little entry into like the show channel. The other shows on Byte are also really cool too. To check those out, yeah. um, but it's been lovely. It's been it, it made us feel very special. the The whole set was really cool. It was like a pretty big team that worked on it, and um, you know we have some future stuff coming up too. So so we're pretty excited. Yeah, that's so exciting. I was I was watching it this morning actually. What was the process of the series like? How long did it take? Like how long was this in the works? It's quick. So the the series is just four episodes. Oh, okay, and we just you know, like typical studio style, like knock them out <laughs> within a couple of days. Mm -hmm. um, but we were actually always ahead of schedule because Alex and I both cook and we both make content. You know, right, so right. like we, whatever we had scheduled, we would always be like two hours early because <laughs> like it doesn't take us long. We don't like, especially, I mean, Alex is really a pro, um, but we can get through the lines really quick. When it comes to cooking, we, we know what we're doing. So it's like very fast. Um, so it was really enjoyable and it was, it felt really, really easy to shoot everything. Tell Gordon that. Maybe he'll put you on Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, we'd love to do more stuff, um, like bigger things as well. Um, it just comes down to, you know, what what's working and what isn't working. And, um, you know, I guess a big part of it too, that's something I think is so cool is, you know, he kind of went out of his way to, to push for some good representation as well. And I, I think that's awesome. I know. I like that a lot. I was looking at his selections. He, he really, really picked some great one, great people. I don't want to say ones because you're all people, <laughs> but um, what would you say was the most exciting part of this project? I mean, it mixes astrology and food and you get to do it with Alex. Yeah. It, I honestly, yeah, I think working with, my girlfriend was probably the coolest part because it didn't feel like work. Um, mm -hmm. We were able to breeze through things and there's no like script or anything, you know, like we know what we're generally doing, but right. some parts of the show, some episodes are like have surprise elements or like mystery boxes of things. So like we don't oh, always yeah. know what's going on, like in terms of that, but um, without a script, it's just like, it's just us, you know, mm -hmm. it's just us riffing off each other. And from, you know, what I gather from, people on all of our other videos, people just like watching us interact because we are such opposites mm -hmm. in a certain way and in a way that I guess just works. But it's funny. It, it makes for good teamwork. But yeah, we are we are very different in many ways. So I think people kind of find themselves like so many couples will comment or like someone from the comment will come like this is exactly like me and my husband or like me and my boyfriend mm -hmm. or like whatever, or like my wife or, and it's like, you know, relationships are relationships. I don't, you know, I think luckily we're starting to get to a point where it's like more normalized and like, you can just look at two people and be like, that's exactly like me and my person, you know, mm -hmm. like it doesn't matter. It's, if it's not a girl and a guy, just like personality types. And that's a really beautiful thing to see. And the very new thing, you know, it wasn't like this like right. a decade ago. So we feel really lucky. Right, right. I was just watching it today and there was like one joke you made that made me laugh. 
she I think Alex was like, oh, I, tell me what's wrong with me. And you're like, I can't. <laughs> yeah, she asked the astrologer to, to ask me. And she's like, tell me what's wrong with me. I was like, I could just tell you. Yeah. You don't need an astrologer here. I can waste everyone's time. I can list it out for you. Actually, I keep a list. So just let me <laughs> let me tell you. I'll just get my notes app up, you know, yeah. <laughs> scroll right no. through. If, if, if she's watching this, I'm just kidding. Alex, there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> Tell her to listen, honestly. So I have to ask, what's your star sign? I'm an Aries. Okay. I'm very, very Aries. What's your sign? It's Virgo. Oh, cool. So do you have a birthday coming up? Actually, on Thursday. Oh, my God. Yeah. Happy birthday. Thank you. I honestly forgot it was coming up because I never, like... (laughs) I'm just not one of those people that looks at the date all the time because I just have so much going on that I just like never know what the day is. So honestly, my mom had to remind me that my birthday was coming up. She's like, what are you doing for your birthday? I'm like, oh my God, I don't know. No. (laughs) But now I know. I'm going to be 24. Nice. I mean, that's that's such a fun age. You're going to go do something crazy while you have the energy go do something crazy no <laughs> go have some fun. <laughs> well yeah, Virgos are a cool sign they are i know a lot of people this is what i was told last week a lot of people like virgo women but not virgo men but don't hate on me mm-hmm. for that i don't know if that's true or if something that's i've experienced because i'm not really too into star signs i don't know <laughs> well you should watch one of the upcoming episodes of stardish because our there's going to be some stuff on some Virgos, so oh. specifically. So okay. I would say tune in. Okay, hear that, everyone. Tune in if you're a Virgo, because this will go up next week, so it'll still be Virgo season, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think so. Right? Yeah, I think I'm like right on the cusp. I'm pretty sure. Okay. So I don't know. Maybe I'll correct that in the description. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to kind of switch gears to just cooking right now. What's your best kept cooking secret? I always add citrus to like most Mm. things. I think just a little splash of acid, whether it's like lime, lemon, or like vinegar, brightens up so many dishes when you're cooking Mm -hmm. and it's really underutilized. Certain things that are too sweet or too heavy, like acid cuts through that and just brightens so many dishes. Any type of meat, any type of stew, soup, you name it. Even sometimes like breakfast foods. Um, obviously, I'm not referring to like you know, cake or something, yeah. but let's make a lemon cake. But yeah, that's citrus is a really easy way to brighten anything up. I did make an olive oil citrus pound cake. Yeah, it was. so that would be a good thing to add in. Yeah. yeah, but I will say it was a lot of freaking work. Like I <laughs> was basically, you, what is that called? Like when you have oranges and then you turn them and get the juice out, juicing them. Juicing them, yeah. That was stupid, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was juicing oranges for literally an hour and yeah. it was a lot of work. It was delicious though, but I just talked to... Um, Tegan Gerard, so she's half baked harvest, and she told me fig mm-hmm. preserves were really good to put in salad dressing and stuff. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, that's smart. Yeah, fig preserves. I guess and like salad dressings or salads. Yeah, like both. You could do either. It kind of can brighten up the dressing, and then yeah. you can also kind of just put it on your salad, whatever you prefer. 
but yeah nice um it's a good little hack i'll try to use that too yeah she was saying that and then i honestly could just send you the article but um she was using a lot of apple butter recently like a lot of fall things it was very fall themed so i was mm-hmm. asking her like what to put in your pantry obviously pumpkin but um, do you have any other fun recipe ideas in the works, maybe fall related? Um, I have, I have quite a few things that I'm starting to gear up. Um, I always do a mix of like Mediterranean Persian mm-hmm. cooking as well as just like more traditional stuff. And I'm starting to do more fusion type. Um, so there's some cool things I have planned. So you gotta stick around. Yay. Do you ever get those people that are like, that's not authentic or all the time, yeah. all the time. It's wild. Like I'm full Persian and I make a Persian dish that like my mom taught me how to make. And they're like, that's not Persian. I'm like, bro, what is it then? <laughs> like, what do you want me to say? I learned this from my mom who was born and raised in Iran. Like, I'm not sure what to tell you. <laughs> Food is so personal. You know, I've, I've really, I take time to try to like psychoanalyze things. I'm like, what makes people act like that? You know, like, what makes people act so crazy when it comes to like, a vegan fish for example like what makes mm-hmm. them what triggers them to make them say like that's not real fish about like or for example if you see something posted and it's not done the right way yeah i wonder like what triggers them i think it's just like this fear of things that are done differently um, okay. because it's different than what you know and what you expect and it it kind of gives people i think these are all just my, my thoughts um mm-hmm. this this sense of like, no, that's made like this, like casseroles are made like this. And if you add this ingredient, that's not a casserole anymore. It's like it's control. Yeah. You know, it's just this weird control thing. And that translates to a lot of stuff that translates all the way through to like people who have different orientations, you know, like mm-hmm. there's people who so desperately don't want things to change from what they know. And that sucks for them because that's how the world works. Things always change. And we, I know that as someone who even like makes food content, I'm not going to say that I never see something online. I'm like, that's not how that's made. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's just, you can have that thought in your head. Like, think whatever you want. I think to go on someone's page and say that is, is kind of weird because it's just like, what's your point? Like, someone's trying to just like make some food content. It's not like a big deal. No, literally. I've said this before on this podcast, too. People do that with my articles all the time. It's like they literally go one step further to find my author page. Then they go one step further to find my Instagram. And then they go another step just to message me telling me I'm wrong. (laughs) Yeah. It's this weird obsession, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, it goes back to the jealousy thing that you were talking about before. Some people just can't get out of their own way. And you just kind of have to let it roll off your back because if you consume it too much, it's going to consume you, you know? It comes along with the territory, you know, whatever. You weird comments or whatever. If anything, I don't know if they realize their comments just drive up engagement and make the video perform better. So go ahead and write whatever stupid thing you want to write. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You're just making me more money. Just keep doing it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, go for it. And then get in a fight in the comments. Go for it. About whatever yeah. it is to say. Enjoy. I hope it makes you feel better. Like, I don't really engage, but every now and then, like, kind of, like, funny mood, I'll just, like, mm-hmm. if someone just writes something, like, particularly dumb, I'll just say, I hope it made you feel better to write that stupid comment. <laughs> you know, or, like... Feel like, kindness. Yeah, it's just, like, it's just a funny thing. or like, it's, like, really funny F you. 
Um, <laughs> every now and then I'll respond to like a particularly home. It's really rare that I get them, but every now and then you'll get something that's like kind of homophobic. And sometimes I'll address those because only uh, truth, I don't really care about these people, but sometimes I worry that if the comment is left there, you know, someone who's much more, more vulnerable than me could on my page who is in the same position could see something like that and then really yeah. and really, you know, it can push them back quite a bit. So sometimes I'll respond to those just so that maybe if that person is reading that, they see that I responded and basically said, no, mm-hmm. you're wrong. I don't agree with what you're saying. Um, right. Well, that makes sense because, I mean, if you're getting those messages and people are looking up to you, especially, you know, if they're coming out or whatever the situation is, and then they see a comment that can take them a step back, you know, yeah. um, and that's not on you to deal with that. That's on the person that commented on it. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you just you have to say something. It's even like it's hard for me to, like, pull back a little bit, but sometimes you have to just see what's worth it. Yeah. And that's that's. Yeah, pretty much it. Usually you're just too busy doing other important, really cool things to argue with a troll. But (laughs) just be like, I'm pretty sure I'm cooler than you. So (laughs) (laughs) the numbers don't lie. I think that I'm more successful than you. But hey, that's fine. And then they'll they'll come back with like, success doesn't matter. And then they'll just come back. They're always going to have a comeback. Yeah, success doesn't matter. Being loved doesn't matter. What? Okay. Okay, maybe for you, but yeah, I think it should. Maybe that's why the way that you are the way you are. Maybe love should matter for you. There you go. Just write back. Maybe you need some love then. Yeah, I think maybe love with a little bit emoji. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about what's next for you. Do you have any other upcoming projects you'd like to share or anything else going on? Um, things that I can share are basically just, you know, expanding fish foods. I'm really excited for our retail launch. If this is, yeah, well, by the time this comes out, we'll still be like a week or two away from it. So if anyone's interested um, in being one of the first to try it, just follow along and it'll go up for pre-sale. It will likely sell out immediately from the projections actually that we that we already have, but hopefully more quickly and you know try it for themselves. It's it's something that I'm really proud of, um, and then you know got some other really fun content in the works. So uh, yay, yay, and you should be proud. It's a big accomplishment, and it's it's really cool to see everything you've been able to do, and I'm excited to see it prosper even more. Thank it'll you. it'll really be awesome. Of course. Thank you. You should be really proud of yourself too. You know, it's really fun for me to hear about like your new guests and see your new guests. Like you're, you're doing Thank great. You. You're interviewing really, really cool people and it's important. You know, your work's important and you just have to keep going. You know, sometimes it takes like a second, but you just have to keep going. And then like, you know, you've already hit some like really big names and that's just going to grow. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're doing great. So I'm still Thank you. Too. Thank you. That means a lot. Honestly, it's it's a lot when you try to start something yourself and then you're constantly working and you just are like, is this is this worth it's it? It's a lot of work. Yeah, it's it is. It is. And I always laugh that like, you know, starting anything up is like this insane job where you work all these hours and make mm-hmm. next to zero money, and you're just like, what is you know what is going that on? Is 
exact conversation I just had yesterday. <laughs> but you're building something, you know, so it's different. Mm-hmm. Like I have two careers essentially right now where one is content creation, one is my, my startup. And it's right. very funny because I spend very little time on content creation, but I have a ton of brand deals where I'm making a lot of money. And mm-hmm. the reason I'm doing that is because I'm using that money to fund, you know, the, the startup. So right. this one, if with little, very little time, content creation makes so much money that I can even pay for my life and fund my, my startup. But the startup is just so much time and it just like makes very little money. But that's just how it goes because you're building something. So you can't even think of it that way. All you have to think of like yeah. is like this huge mountain that you're building and you're just like putting in the hours right now. So you can't even see the progress yet. It'll, it'll take some time. Yeah. No, I needed that. I was having a week last week. <laughs> yeah, it, it always does. All right. So I have normally I do a short little game where it's like a smash or pass kind of food trends deal. Yeah. But I just have two questions for you. Food trend related. What is the most overrated food trend in your opinion? Overrated food trend. Take your time. It's a hard question. There's so many. I don't really like boards. Like, you know, like for a bit, like they're like, do you think like those boards, like the mm-hmm. hummus boards and like even like, you know, butter boards and things like, I don't really like stuff like that because it just like sits out for a long time and different people touch it. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I don't really love that trend. I don't like things that like set, sit out. It's also wasteful. People always want to throw away most of it. So like mm-hmm. it's a trend just to be a trend, just like be like, look at this thing I made, but then you wind up throwing away a lot of it. You can't really conserve it because it's like all out on the board. Um, right. So I don't really like that. I don't like things that are wasteful. Um, what else is yeah. that? That's actually funny that you said that because I just pitched a story that charcuterie boards are dying and there's so many different foods that are being made into boards. I just saw like a caramel apple board and whatever i was like no one's gonna it's very cool i won't say it doesn't look delicious because it does but no one's gonna eat all of that and then you end up throwing half of it out anyways it doesn't make sense i I don't get it yeah no i've never ever in my life been somewhere where the whole board is eaten at the end so like Mm -hmm. but it's been picked at you know so you don't really want to save it it's like this weird weird thing it's just for like the picture really instead people say oh wow and of course, a lot of food is that, and like, there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not gonna say I've never made something like that, but it, yeah, it's just things that are wasteful. We have like some other trends right now. I'm, kind of, I'm blanking, of course, now that you asked that. Even though, like, I know. I know, I know. I was trying. To, I only think of like the OG examples, like pasta chips. I was like three years ago. That was so long ago. Um, what is? I'm trying to think. There's like one trend that's happening right now that I literally can't think about. I don't know. It'll come to me probably after we end this call. Yeah. <laughs> of course, like I can't think of anything right now. All I do is like work in food content and like suddenly I can't think of anything. <laughs> but, like, no, when you're on the For the most part, you know, I, I'm not, even if I think certain things are silly, I'm not just like, that needs to stop. Because if it makes someone happy, mm-hmm. then of course, like there's nothing wrong with it. You know, I just, when things yeah. are wasteful, it kind of sucks. But listen, if I think a certain trend is stupid, but even one person thinks it's cool, then amazing. You know, I'm not going to poo-poo on the thing that makes you happy. Like, let people be happy. Um, as long yeah. as it's not extremely wasteful. 
then I think it's fine. A very diplomatic answer. <laughs> there you go. All right. I'm going opposite here. What is the most underrated food trend? I put you on the spot twice. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I, I still think Tadig. Tadig is Persian crispy rice. And even though like it's kind of trending, like a lot of people still don't know what it is because I'll post videos mm-hmm. and people be like, what is that? Or like, I'm like, it's burnt. And I'm like, oh no, no, it's not burnt. Like you don't know what Tadig is. And mm-hmm. Tadig is just like so, so, so delicious. People who have had it know it's just like, it's just, it's the bottom. Tadig translates to bottom of the pot. And when you okay. eat rice, you if you want there to be tadig, you pour a bit more oil on the bottom. There's also different ways of doing it, like you layer um, thin bread or thin potatoes. But essentially, as the, the rice finch is cooking, you flip it upside down. It's like this big reveal of okay. the perfectly, hopefully made crispy tadig. So it's like just this crispy rice or potato or whatever you use. And it's just so delicious because it's absorbed like Ooh. saffron and like salt and all these good flavors. And it's very difficult to make because you can't see what's happening under there, right? And you have yeah. to kind of trust the timing and like make sure it was cut the right way. So those videos are always like they're starting to trend more and more. And um, a lot of people who aren't Persian are attempting them now, and I think that's really cool. Um, but it's still still pretty underrated. I think people will really catch on to it soon. That sounds delicious. Oh yeah, it's great. There's a bunch of them on my page. I don't know either of my socials. I'm sure you'll see one. But they're so good. Okay. Everyone's favorite thing. Okay, I think I missed that one, so I'm definitely gonna try that. I honestly need new dinner recipes and hacks because I'm very bored with pasta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, check some of that out. I will. All right. I have my final question for you that I ask every single guest. If there is one cooking appliance or utensil that you think everyone should splurge on, what would it be and why? A good, good knife. I think a good chef's knife is probably the most important tool in the kitchen. Like it's worth any amount of money to have a good chef's knife. Okay. All right. Don't say hex clad. (laughs) Well, I have to. (laughs) I got to do it. I know. Every person is like, no, okay. It's not every person. It's just been like three, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, they actually, they, they, they are my, um, they are my knife sponsor and they, they are really, really mm-hmm. great knives. Like I've been sent a lot of other knives and I've yeah. been out to by a few other companies. Um, but they're really lovely. I use their pairing knife when it comes to peeling all my fruits um, and their chef knife for like bigger stuff. And it's just, it's really good stuff. And they're actually a really cool company too. Like they've been super supportive mm-hmm. of, um, a lot of stuff that I've done with fish, like totally separate from my content creation. And I've worked with a lot of mm-hmm. different companies and truthfully, like no one's paying me to say this. It's like, they, they really are a great brand that cares. So I've been really happy with them, but I don't know. You know, they, they are popping off a lot with a lot of the, the food content creators. Um, but you know, I, no, I but that's know. like for a reason though. Yeah. I mean, no one's going to work with them if they suck. Yeah. They're, they're really cool. They really get it. And they really do a lot to support a lot of like their content creators. So I think that's why you're going to see a lot more of them really soon. Yeah. Yeah. And I already, I already am, but I have, (laughs) I did ask one, I think he was a chef. I can't remember who this was. Um, I was like, but what's the actual deal? Do you actually like 
<laughs> the brand like is it good and they were like no actually i, I really love like yeah. the knives and stuff yeah i wouldn't be able good. to use if i didn't like them i wouldn't be able to use them because truly like if you're if it's not the right stuff like you look stupid on camera because like you're not able to cut <laughs> your steak the right way or like peel the fruit the right way so it's actually mm -hmm. super important so like if i am cutting like a watermelon like that shit needs to cut through like like butter you know so um yeah They've made my life very easy, so I, I really appreciate it. Otherwise, the trolls are going to come back out and say, you didn't cut that right. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, well, thank you so much for taking the time out and coming on. This was an awesome conversation. Um, I'm really excited to see everything that Fish Foods does, and this was great. Thank you. This was lovely. I really appreciate your time. Of course. So you can follow Zoya on Instagram. Is Roya your um, middle name? Yeah, it's my, my middle name. <laughs> okay, okay. I wanted to make sure. So you can follow Zoya on Instagram at Zoya Roya or check out her TikTok at the Zoya Roya. Is there anything else you'd like people to check out? That's all. I think it's also Zoya Roya on YouTube. I have some like different videos up there too. So cool. Cool. I appreciate it so, so much. Easy. Looking forward to everything. Hey fellow foodies, thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave me a review. And while you're at it, make sure to follow me at Livin' For Food Pod on Instagram or TikTok or email me at livinforfoodpod at gmail.com. Let me know what you're cooking up this week, which guests you would like to see on the podcast, or tell me your opinions on the latest viral food trend. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>